Welcome to the More Than a Club podcast with Marty Cuprian and Bill Lane. Welcome to More Than a Club podcast for episode four of season two. I'm your co-host, Bill Leahy, along with Coach Marty Cuprian. We are excited to keep rolling into Season 2, as I think we have another very interesting episode ahead. Thanks, Bill. Having a ton of fun with the podcast. It's great to hear from some new listeners, some old listeners, um, and we're excited about our new guests. Today we have another awesome current Division One head coach, Pat Myers. Pat is a close friend of Bill's. They have some shared time together with Team USA. Tell us more, Bill. So, Coach, so I don't overdo my uh, talking too much, could you share with our listeners how we know each other? Absolutely. Well, first, I'm just uh, super grateful to be here and, uh, you know, uh, honored to be on the uh, on the show with you guys. Uh, had an opportunity to listen to some of the other shows and you guys are doing an amazing job. But yeah, Coach Leahy and I uh, had an opportunity to meet back with Team USA um, and uh, had an opportunity to work together on that uh, 2016 U19 staff. And, uh, you know, when uh, Coach Myers, uh, the other Coach Myers asked Coach Leahy to be on the staff and um, and then uh, I was uh, able to join the staff as well, um, you know, getting on those first couple of calls and, and starting to, um, you know, speak with each other that way, but really meeting in person for the first time um, at Stevenson College for our first training camp, uh, which was uh, really kind of started the whole journey. And uh, we, we've become uh, definitely close friends and uh, a, a relationship coach that I, I certainly treasure. I've learned so much from you and, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm honored to be here with you guys this evening. Likewise, Coach. Thanks for joining us. We're really grateful. And I know in our pre-meeting chat here, you've had so many great insights. So we're excited just to jump right in here with our first segment, which is Youth Sports Hot Topics, which is usually for parents. And we had Matt Rambo on in our last episode. And over and over again, Matt went into fundamentals, which was amazing because... That's what he heard from his coach, me. I never thought he liked it. And then he made me proud for a 40-minute show half the time talking was, about He was landing on pretty thick, wasn't he? <laughs> I think he was browning <laughs> up his, own, his old coach. But, you know, growing up in the 70s in Baltimore and playing at Cockeysville Youth League, he had all these dads who played at Hopkins and Maryland, and they only knew one way, which was kind of old school, right? It was know the fundamentals, go through your ground balls, evaluate our cradling. Then we'd do some running. Then we would do some stick work. Then we'd do more running. And I mean, times have changed just so much. But the idea with that was that fundamentals done well over a long period of time, by the time we got to middle school, we'd be really good and that would be fun. And so what insights do you share with our listeners about just fundamentals and fun um, and passing that on to parents? Yeah, no, I, that's, a, that's a really great question, Coach. I think that people would be shocked by how much time we spend on, on the fundamentals here just at the Division One college level. You know, but I think passing along a lesson to uh, a young player that if you can um, master or really uh, become uh, excellent uh, at the fundamentals, then the game becomes a lot more fun. And I think that that's clearly what Matt learned from you. Um, but you did it in such a way that didn't uh, certainly crush his creative flair uh, or his spirit. And I think being able to combine both those things is really important because the free free play aspect of the game um, is amazing. I was uh, uh, fortunate to be able to coach my eight-year-old daughter's uh, club program here in, in the Valley. And, uh, and we have a blast and we work hard on the fundamentals. We spend 30, 40 minutes and, you know, uh, my daughter understands that going out to the wall and having her own routine and throwing behind the backs and all those things is a blast. But she also knows like 
getting 80 reps in 60 seconds um, is is gonna is gonna make the game a lot more fun for for her if she can learn how to do that. And so I think where the magic is 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 being able to um, teach young players to never get bored with the basics. And if they don't get bored with the basics, the game becomes a blast um, because you can you can have that creative flair and still be awesome um, at paying attention to the details. So clearly you shared that with Matt um, and it has served him well. I like the story you were sharing about watching your daughter play field hockey where you have no idea what's, what's happening out there. <laughs> However, there was a fundamental skill which wasn't so much an X and O skill like her dribbling, but it was more of a, a spirit skill. Could you talk to our audience a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. I appreciate that, Coach. I mean, I, it is funny because... I'm sitting on the sideline watching my daughter play field hockey and I know nothing about the game. Uh, and I, of course I hear parents yelling stuff out to their kids. And the only thing that I'm really looking at is, is my daughter playing hard. And so when she gets in the car after, you know, we kind of look at each other and say, did you have fun? Yeah. And you know, were you a good teammate? Yeah. I cheered my teammates on. And did you compete? You know, regardless of win or loss, doesn't really matter, but did you compete and play hard? And, her even understanding what I mean when I ask that question in and of itself, I think is an important lesson because the first couple of times that we would talk about, you'd be like, well, what does that mean? Um, and, and there are examples that you can provide. And I think helping young players understand that that is a skill that can be taught is uh, super important. And that falls right into your basics, uh, your fundamentals. And that is a key and core fundamental. And a quick story I mean, I remember watching Matt Rambo play. Um, I think it was his freshman year in high school when he played on the Under Armour team. He, that was back when the Under Armour team was just one team and he made the older Under Armour team. And then between games with the Under Armour squad, went over and played for his Dukes team over at a different site. And it was like 100 degrees. This is back when I was at Carolina. And we drove over and watched him play over there. And the compete level was off the charts it didn't dip from like the, the level of play at one site to the next site. I mean, and I remember just being blown away by his competitive spirit. It's interesting that your daughter would ask you, what does that mean? And that's a really good question from a young person. Cause I would say to Matt, you're not competing hard enough. And he'd say, yes, I am. And I say, no, you're not. And he'd say, yes, I am. And I realized we weren't going anywhere. And because we had different <laughs> visions of what competing was. In his world of a 15-year-old young man, he was working as hard as he thought he could and that he ever had before. And I was saying, no, you got more in you than that. And so finally, we went into the weight room together and I said, look, I'm going to work out with you. I'm your partner. I'm 40 years old. And he was dying. And in five sessions later, I was dying because he got to model and keep up with me. And then I was like, now do you see what I'm saying? You, you had this in you all along. And now you're burying me because you're 15, 16, and I'm 40. But that's what I was asking you to do in the weight room. That's what I want you to do on the field. You, you can ride him to the midline. You can also dive. You can also turn him and hunt him back. And, and I think that the, the last piece of that, Coach, it's, it's, it's an incredible uh, example is, you know, we talk about competing in our program here at Lafayette or whether you're talking to a young kid is it's controlling what you are in control of without expecting something back in return and, you're competing because you love the game. You're competing not necessarily because you love to win. You're competing because that's just what you do, whether it's 70 and sunny, whether it's pouring rain or 
um, whatever the case might be. So whatever the scoreboard says, um, you just, you have one speed and that's all, you know. Um, so part of it is just controlling those controllables. Before we move on to our next segment on film, I just wanted to ask you about Lafayette College. Fundamentals and principles you guys hold dear at the school in your program? Yeah, so, I mean, we, as I said before, we talk a lot about what those basic things are. And so we have some um, sort of team standards um, that we talk a lot about. Uh, you know, we have a don't, don't be last rule um, that, you know, where guys, you know, it, it's a fundamental, whether it's diving for an end line, uh, whether it's sprinting into a huddle, um, just that that's that compete mentality, certainly something that we we hold dear. But picking up two-handed ground balls, um, you know, uh, throwing the ball hard um, at each other uh, from a stick work perspective, um, you know, the way we ride, uh, we, we have that kind of uh, rido um, credo in our program. Um, you know, those are some of the things that as a team – um, that we talk a lot about offensively and defensively. Uh, the, the the coaching staff does an amazing job, what we call points of pride of just kind of touching on, you know, this is what we really hold dear offensively. This is what we really hold dear defensively. Um, and it comes back to our stick work, our pace, our ability to make simple plays, hunt singles, not home runs, um, and communicate with each other. And I think those are some of the things offensively that you look at. Defensively, the, the, the communication certainly at the top of the list, um, our posture, our body language, um, and our ability to you know, put our hands on people and be confrontational. I mean, those are all basic fundamental things that we're working on every day in practice. And I think from a team standpoint, it's more of that compete factor. Like I said, don't be last. Are we riding hard? you know, those types of things um, combined with those other points of pride. Love it, Coach. Great segment. Coach Coop? Yeah, awesome stuff there, guys. Um, let's move on. We'll talk a little bit about film. Uh, I'm curious, you know, how you use film, um, whether it's taping your practices and watching it, uh, getting ready for opponents, uh, self-scouting, um, in addition to really just the world of, of recruiting. So anywhere you want to go with that, Coach, um, tell us how, how you think about film and how you use it. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to utilize it. And, and I think depending on what level you're at, I think one of the keys is understanding that film's only one part of the equation. Um, it's not the whole picture. It is definitely a part of the picture, and it's crucial. There's no doubt. Um, but, you know, when we, when we watch film, it, it, I think one thing to remember with film is you always want to bring it back to yourself. Even if you're scouting an opponent, you're learning about your opponent, but being able to bring it back to how does this help you get better? So I think, you know, self-scouting practice, uh, that's the key for us. We talk about the physical, you know, technical, um, tactical, kind of emotional aspects when you're looking at it, you know, big, fast, strong, Okay, uh, you know, where, where are we uh, lacking? What are our strengths and weaknesses there? Technical aspects, the fundamentals that we just talked about, the tactical being kind of a lacrosse IQ perspective. Do we understand the game? And I think the time, thing we spend the most time on is probably the emotional piece, like I said to you guys in the pre-meeting pre when we were just chatting of body language, you know, sort of our competitive spirit um, and, and how are we interacting with each other um, as a unit on the field, those are all things that we're looking for um, out there uh, when we're looking at film. 
Um, are we dictating to our opponent or are they dictating to us? Um, Coach Leahy, you like to talk about, are we studying film or are we watching the film? Um, and I think being able to watch the film to identify your team's ebbs and flows, their competitive spirit before you're starting and stopping and really you know, analyzing, I think is important. Um, so always watching that film twice, um, getting that, that kind of eye test. Uh, one important lesson I learned about film a long time ago is when you walk off a field, like you know you're going to see the film. It's never as good as you thought, and it's never as bad as you thought. <laughs> it's true. Maintaining that equilibrium is really important. When you get on that bus and you put the film on, it's probably going to tell a little bit of a different story. Um, training your players how to watch film like a coach, I think, is one of the most important skills that you can teach your players. So we try to have our guys run a lot of our own film sessions so that they can learn, they use our language, they learn the lingo, they understand how to, to hold each other accountable in a positive way. Uh, what is the benefit of, you know, those types of things and how does it fit into the big picture? And I shared with you some of those points of pride. I mean, those are the things that are going to jump off the page when you put on a film. You know, what is our pace and our tempo? Is the ball moving and are the bodies moving? You know, and is it moving at that, at that pace that you're looking for? Um, are we sharing the ball? You know, do we have the right, you know, uh, pipeline and posture at the defensive end of the field. I mean, those are the immediate kind of things that you're looking for there um, that fit into the bigger picture. Uh, when you're analyzing an opponent, I think it's a little bit different, um, but I think your ability as a coach to bring it back to you um, is still going to be uh, what is most important. And I'll, and I'll close kind of this piece by saying, when you watch film as a coach, one of the first questions is that I, I challenge our team with, are we beating ourselves? And so what are the questions that you're going to be, or what are the things that you're looking at to be able to answer that question? And that's what I mean by bringing it back to you as opposed to your opponent, regardless of whatever they're doing, what is it that we're doing or not doing um, that we need to improve on? And are we beating ourselves? And I think that that's, that's what you're chasing when you're watching film. Since this segment is for coaches, coach, that was just outstanding. I think of coach Resch and I, how different we were at LaSalle you know, not only do we do you watch or study the film, but he liked to have it broken up into just the defensive possessions. I like the feel of watching the entire game. I wanted to see the flow up and down. I didn't like it chunked up. Not one's not right or wrong. They're just different. You know, so we would have to do both. I would just watch the whole thing and then we'd have our assistants break break up the film into offensive possessions, shots, man down, you know, the way you do. I also thought it was fun showing the young men on an emotional level when we would watch the film, when defining moments happened in a game. Now that we're watching the film, let's go back. There were really three moments in this game that turned the tide in our favor or against us. And to study what went wrong. What were we thinking as this moment came? What were we thinking while the moment took place? Why did we make the decisions that we did? And how badly did it hurt us? And how can we learn from that moving forward? You know, to actually stop the film and get in their heads a little bit. Like, you shot the ball. How? Why? Where? <laughs> and look what it did to us. You know, we were up by one. Now we're tied. And look at your teammates on the sideline, on the film. All their shoulders go down. Their heads go down because you made this decision. I love you, but explain to me why you did that. And I just think you can watch that and be like, wow, I never saw that while I was there. I felt it. But now we all see what, it, what that decision did, that moment. And again, it's most of the time, coach, it's a great point. It's probably more about you than your opponent, right? And it's something that you're in control of. And uh, I think that's what's exciting about watching film and being able to grow from it. 
Yeah, one tactic or skill for coaches that we would do, because it's hard for teenage boys, we would have them put an index card on their computer, like up in the corner, that said, don't watch the ball. And so as they watched film, they would have to watch everybody else and watch everything else off the ball. If they were going to grow as an off-ball player, obviously we have to practice that, but part of practicing that is watching film and not watching the ball. Because when I watch my Ravens play, all I do is watch the ball. But if you put your own index card on the TV and then watch the Eagles or the Ravens and don't watch the ball, you see a whole nother game going on. Absolutely. It's the game within the game, right? It's everything else that's going on outside of that. And it's an awesome point. Yeah. And the point of the index card was as soon as your mind takes you back to the ball, which it will within minutes, then you'll see the index card and remind yourself, oh, we got to stop watching the ball again. That lasted for 19 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely. Coach, this is really great information. It's been um, awesome to listen to you talk and share your insights. So we're going to move on to our last segment here of our big three, which is culture building. And this is really for players, right? That players can hear that there's more to being on a team than just the X and O's and, and your parents cheering for you. That it's also being accountable to your teammates and being a part of a family, something bigger. When you're a part of LaSalle Lacrosse, you're a part of Lafayette, it's the school's name on the front that matters most, not your name, and making sacrifices for the good of the team, that it's not really about you, right? It's about your, it's about your brothers, and it's about your school, and um, these are life lessons that go on you know, for the rest of your life. So in terms of culture building at Lafayette, well, um, you guys do so many amazing things in our pre-meeting. I know you and Coach Coop talked about a lot of these things. Would you share to, care to share with us the key ones? Yeah, no, I appreciate you uh, asking that, Coach. It's um, it's exciting to build. Culture is something that really, you know, energizes you because every morning when your feet hit the floor, it's something that it's it's a daily thing. It's about what you do, not what you say. Um, and I think that uh, it starts with, you know, the the people that are in that room um, that are going to create that culture and. You know, we have a vision for our program of uh, developing leaders um, and building champions. And, and I believe it all starts with leadership um, and, and being able to develop uh, leaders that uh, are going to really um, embrace and drive that culture. Um, you know, it, it, it's your staff, it's your support staff, um, it's recruiting. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, in recruiting, recruit for attitude and train for skill. Um, and, you know, recruiting, you know, the, the, the right mindset, you know, the DMGB mindset um, that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit as well. But, yeah, recruit for attitude, train for skill, you know, character over competence, um, you know, those types of things. And, and putting the right people, um, you know, in the locker room uh, that are going to align with the cultural values that you kind of set forth as your program. Um, you know, for Lafayette Lacrosse, we talk a lot about hard work, toughness, and brotherhood, and then kind of what those things mean, being humble and hungry. Um, you know, hard work is about the unseen hours that you're willing to put in um, behind closed doors. You know, the, the, the toughness to do the right thing. Um, and Coach Coop, I know you and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we're doing um, off the field, but um, the, the ability to, to have a, uh, a perspective um, uh, is, is important. Um, and coach, you talked about brotherhood of um, a we over me attitude, you know, and, and being able to build love and build trust. Um, and, you know, loving the guys in that locker room, loving the craft of playing lacrosse, you know, and, and loving where you do it. It's loving what you do, where you do it, and who you do it with. And that is what it's all about. 
And I think guys that align with, you know, sort of the mission and vision that want to build that culture um, is, is what is so um, exciting. I think one of the ways that you continue to keep your, your eyes and, and, and fixate yourself on, um, you know, pushing uh, that culture forward is con continuing to identify, you know, what is your, what is your team's purpose? Um, you know, what is it that we're after? How do we define success? You know, is it wins and losses? Um, or is it something that's bigger than that? What do we want our legacy to be? You know, these are questions that you, you kick around with your, with your leadership, with your team um, that really help, you know, create some, some critical conversations, some dialogue, some vulnerability, and build a courageous culture um, of leaders that are, that are willing to um, put themselves out there um, to challenge each other, to not, we, we talk about not calling out, but calling up um, to a higher level and a higher standard. Um, you know, I believe that, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot about the word courage and, you know, fear versus courage and, and how, you know, Nick said this, Coach, Coach Meyer said this, you probably heard him say, Coach Leahy, that love fuels courage. And so having the courage to build the culture that you want to build starts with creating those connections in that locker room. But in order to have those connections, you've got to know each other's why. You've got to know each other's purpose. You've got to know what do we want our legacy to be as a program, all right? And passion is how we're going to get there, all right? But what is it that we're chasing? And I think those are all important questions when you're building a culture that you need to be, that you need to have out on the table, that you need to be talking about, and they evolve, they change. It's not just like, this is what it is. It's constant dialogue. Um, and, uh, and, and it energizes me uh, to talk about those things with you guys and certainly learned a lot from you, Coach, um, a lot from uh, Coach Myers through the USA process and a lot through from all the other head coaches, the, all the awesome, amazing, incredible mentors that I've had in my life and all the things that the way they've approached building culture uh, for me to kind of think about how I would want to build it or at least encourage our leadership to go about building it uh, when I had the opportunity to do that. And I think that's what makes this opportunity at Lafayette special is it's not often in life where you get to go to a place where you can sort of create the parameters and define what does success look like? You know, it's no, see, we haven't had a ton of competitive success um, at Lafayette. Um, although we've been around since 1926, we haven't had that competitive success. So, so be able to create a culture that we want without somebody telling us, hey, this is what it should be, um, I think is something that has really energized everybody around this program. The young men that have chosen to align themselves with this program, the, the, the support staff, the administration. Um, and it's an exciting thing to be a part of. It's tangible, you can feel it. Underneath all of that uh, great information, especially in our Team USA experience, and all those great questions, I think, is the courage to be vulnerable with your teammates. And, you know, um, I remember on our Team USA journey, we had the board. Remember when there was three questions and we each had to pick one of the questions to answer? You know, and one was like a safe question. One was a little bit more vulnerable. But if you can't be vulnerable with your men and vulnerable with each other, then it's harder to answer all those other questions. Why? Your mission? You know, you got to be real and take that journey together and trust each other. Absolutely. That's how you build trust. Right. I think, and look, I'm, I'm a work in progress myself. And I think it, it, it takes vulnerability just for everybody to, to admit that they're a work in progress, right. In and of itself. Um, I think when people think of the word vulnerability, they think of, of the word weakness when in reality, it really, um, 
I think, uh, personifies courage. And, and I think that's what we're working towards here at, at Lafayette and creating those connections, that trust, that brotherhood of, of love and trust. And, uh, and that I'm really excited about the strides that our program has made. And I'll just wrap that piece up by saying, you know, when you talk about silver linings of a pandemic, you know, to be able to, you know, lift up the hood of your program, to be able to really dive into, um, you know, the various pieces of your culture, redefine your culture, um, and talk about some of those critical components. It's, it's, it's having the loyalty to each other, but it's that fidelity for the program as well. Um, and really being able to discuss some of those things together as a, as a team, where you might not normally have time to really, you know, peel those layers back. Um, I think we've been able to do that as a program, and I couldn't be proud of, of our guys. That's incredible stuff there. Uh, I know a lot of coaches listen, Pat, and I myself have filled up uh, two or three pages so far just trying to keep up with you. Um, but you've kind of laid out your team standards, points of pride, and encouraged you know, whether it's coaches or players to, to find your why, have a purpose, um, and, and some other excellent stuff there. So, um, I'm sure we'll talk more about the culture of the program. Uh, when we started the conversation today, I said, it, it feels like you've been there longer than since 2018. And it feels like a program I want to be a part of. So I've always been a fan of yours, uh, from afar. Um, I got to know you a little bit better when you were at Penn and I got to hang out at some practices and, um, you and Coach Murphy are nice enough to uh, let us watch practice or take it in and um, wanted to get to our roundtable section where, you know, you just start us off by uh, letting us know where you started with the game and, you know, a quick, uh, your quick journey through lacrosse and then we'll get more into coaching and, um, and all that good stuff and being a family man as well. But lacrosse wise, where did it start? Oh, yeah, we grew up in Southern Maine, uh, non-traditional lacrosse area. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that uh, for me, when you talk about my own why, it, it's not it's not necessarily proving people wrong. It's kind of proving yourself, proving to yourself that that, uh, you know, that you can do it. You have a little bit of that chip on your shoulder. Um, and, and I think coming from that non-traditional area, you know, our mom ran the club out of our house for a long time uh, to keep keep the lights on. Um, so shout out to, to our mom who ran the Kenny Bunk lacrosse club program where we were driving to our games and raising money for officials and coaches and all those sorts of things. So, um, you know, Nick and I just fell in love with the game. It was introduced to us by our stepfather, uh, Charlie Birch, who is a legendary coach up in, up in the new England area. And, you know, we have pictures of us with the uh, Cape Elizabeth high school team with being water boys on, I think he won 10 state championships and, you know, there's pictures of us with Mohawks on and, you know, we're, <laughs> you know, seven, eight, nine years old. And, and that's where Nick and I fell in love with the game. Um, and then we fell in love with the backyard um, and uh, the competitive nature of having a, a brother who's two years older. You know, you kind of combine all those things together and uh, it, it became kind of, a, I think, a potent uh, combination for us to really um, foster our love for the game of lacrosse. Um, and so, you know, being able to, to go to a place like Ohio State that was far away from home for me was a big decision um, but I was drawn there by, by Coach Bresci, who, who's been uh, an amazing mentor in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly took a risk going out there. But um, I like to tell, you know, young men that I recruit here at Lafayette, one of the reasons I went there was because he was building a program. And it started with that kind of thought of me being like, you know what, it's what I come from. It's like taking the dirt road, 
taking that dirt path of going a place where it's like, yeah, we're playing Virginia, we're playing Duke, we're playing Carolina. And I knew we were going to get our butts kicked for a couple of years. And we did. But when you look back on that and, and little did I know that whatever, 15, 16 years later, uh, my older brother would, would lead them to a national championship game appearance. Um, you know, you think about, you know, some of those things and where it all started. It's a, it's a pretty neat thing to think about um, being a part of that uh, early building process. Um, you know, a lot of those unseen hours. Um, and I had some amazing, um, you know, just experiences there. And um, I was fortunate that I was around some just incredible people. Um, you know, to this day, it's just, uh, you know, some, some teammates that um, I have incredible respect for, um, that I love like brothers that taught me a lot. And uh, I'm just uh, super, you know, grateful that I, that I made that decision um, because I, I learned a lot from it. Um, and still to this day, I cherish, you know, those memories. And, and certainly that led me into a, you know, into a coaching career. My parents are educators, they're all teachers. And so we kind of just grew up with education in our house and, and, and coaching. Obviously, our stepdad coached us. But, um, you know, that was one of those things where uh, I saw Nick get into it. And then uh, I decided to jump into it as well. So I knew from an early age that I, that I think I wanted to coach. Yeah, that both of you have gone on to be successful uh, head coaches and USA coaches is just amazing. Um, you guys must have an awful lot of fun together talking about your careers and lacrosse and X and O's. And what's that like to have a brother so close in interests and in friendship and take this entire career journey with each other? Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible question, Coach. I really appreciate it. And certainly he's a much more successful head coach than I am at this point. Um, but I appreciate your, your kindness um, you know, it's, it's a special thing to be able to share that with and, and when you talk about what my why is, you know, I remember my brother telling me ingraining it into my head and pounding it into my head at a young age, like you're not average, man, like whatever, don't ever let anybody ever tell you that you're average. And like, I always, I kind of had that in the back of my mind of like, you know, not letting anybody hold you down. Um, and so like, I think I always, part of my why I always wanted to prove to my brother that I was good enough, um, as the younger brother. And that always drove me um, you know, to, to kind of reach for a higher level. Um, you know, and so, I mean, he's always been, you know, um, certainly outside of, uh, you know, my, my, my wife, um, he's, he's been my best friend, um, my biggest fan since day one. Um, and so being able to share, you know, what we love, our passion, um, is pretty special and pretty neat. So we never expected that both of us would end up being head coaches. We just two kids from Maine that love the game, um, love making people better, um, and, uh, enjoy the heck out of being around each other. So it, it's definitely a neat thing. So what was your path to where you are today? I mean, your assistants, we talked about m myself ne never having been an assistant and had, I had some adjustments to make there in our journey just because I had never done it. That's all. I had been a head coach since I was very young. You've moved up through the ranks as an assistant to become a head coach. So could you talk to our listeners a little bit about your journey? Yeah, no, that's cool that you just said that, coach, because like I spent 17 years as an assistant before coming a, a head coach. And, um, you know, some people becoming a head coach at an early age, everyone has a different path. Um, and so for me, it was being able to, you know, stay at Ohio State right out of college for a year. And then from there, I hooked on at Cornell with Coach Tambroni, which was sort of my um, 101 education, being able to like get out of my Ohio State bubble, which I, that was all I knew. And that was like, my one year lacrosse 101 crash course and, and, and it was unbelievable um, to be able to to be a part of that staff with coach DeLuca and and uh, and coach Tambroni 
Um, and then from there was able to move over to Bucknell at a really young age and work for an incredible mentor and in, in coach Federaca um, for three years um, where he just kind of, you know, it was credit to him. I, I was thrown into the deep, you know, cold end of the, of the, of the pool there, the deep end and running an offense at age 24, 25 years old. And that's a credit to coach Tambroni and how um, he prepared me for that opportunity um, to be able to do that. And I just uh, learned so much from coach fed and, um, and then was, was fortunate enough to be able to go down to North Carolina for six years and, um, and be with Coach Bresci down there when Nick got the head coaching job at Ohio State. And, um, you know, proud of, as heck as, as what we were able to accomplish at Carolina and, um, you know, w winning the ACC championship uh, for the first time since 1998. We won the ACC championship in 2013. Um, and that was, that was another one of those, hey, this is going to be a building process. This is going to be building a culture and, um, you know, recruiting young men that want to align with that. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that day that, that, that we were able to hold up that ACC championship trophy for the first time and how that, how that made the alumni feel. And, um, I learned a lot with my Carolina experience. It wasn't all, it wasn't all roses by any means. Um, learned a lot about relationships and connection, um, communication, um, you know, staff cohesiveness, um, and, and, and it really has uh, made me a better person. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for all the coaches that I was able to work with, um, you know, down there. And then uh, from there was, was, was able to hook on up at Penn and, and have a completely different um, experience with Coach Murphy, who's just an amazing head coach and uh, an incredible person and um, taught me a lot about, you know, discipline and sort of the way he goes about things in an Ivy League model. Um, and recruiting, you know, those uh, world-class student athletes was, was an incredible um, and inspirational experience for me. Uh, and felt like I, I learned a lot and grew a lot as a person and a coach there um, in Philadelphia uh, under his tutelage. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not mentioning all these amazing assistant coaches that I had an opportunity to work beside as well. But, um, you know, those, you know, Coach Dagnita, Coach Iketa, I mean, I've been around some just amazing um, assistance along the way also. Um, and then when I had the opportunity to, to, to look at this position here as the head coach at Lafayette, uh, Sharita Freeman um, was an assistant AD at Penn. She became the AD here in February of 2018. Um, she called me up in May and said, I'd love you to come look at this. And when I did, running back through my journey, thinking about the opportunity to build a program, you know, the, the way that you kind of had always maybe pictured doing it, um, and kind of build it from the ground up um, at a place where you can recruit these incredible student athletes, world-class student athletes, high-level education, um, you know, geography, beautiful campus, you know, all those sorts of things, build a staff um, and create cultural alignment is, uh, is something that, um, man, it's just, uh, it gets you up in the morning every single day. So um, that's kind of how I, I ended up here. You know, I commuted from Philly for a year and then my wife and I decided to make the move. We live in Nazareth now, um, and we love it up here in the Lehigh Valley. And um, God bless my wife, because uh, we've been through a few moves, several moves, I don't know, four moves. And uh, man, she has been my rock. She's been the foundation. And um, it's, a, it's a cliche, but Coach Leahy, you would, and Coach, coach Coop, I'm sure, you know, behind, behind any coach is, uh, you know, uh, is an amazing woman. Um, and an amazing partner and uh, I would not be where I am just in terms of my growth as a person and a coach if it wasn't for her so um, in terms of like 
the mentors I've had that I've already mentioned, they've all been amazing, but I've probably learned more from her along the way than, than anyone. You're a good man, coach. Yeah, you are a good man. My wife stopped listening to the podcast in season two. She hasn't been listening, Pat. So I'm going to say something really nice. Jenny, I love you. We'll see if she gets to it, Pat. I'm going to say you teed me up. Um, really good job just walking us through the journey. Man, the assistant coach uh, roles that you had at some pretty uh, impressive but also different programs. Um, that was really cool to hear more about. Uh, what stands out to me is uh, some of the recruiting classes at North Carolina and some of the offensive firepower you had there. Um, what was that like? And, you know, were, were you uh, a lead recruiter? And, and, man, it must be really, really hard to recruit to North Carolina. Just kidding. Um, but what was that like? And some of those guys, Holman, Bitter, Sankey, um, it was like a highlight reel, right? Yeah, I mean, it certainly all, all – uh you know, came together with with uh, with that particular attack unit. But I think, you know, one of the things you learn uh, when you recruit at a place like Carolina is, um, as you just said, you know, you bring in uh, firepower, but being intentional about um, bringing in the right pieces that, that, that fit together. Um, you know, back to my original uh, point about uh, recruit for, um, you know, recruit for attitude and train for skill. Um, you know, I certainly think that we were, we were able to do that and, and really, like I said, proud of what we accomplished there. Um, I love, I love recruiting, um, building those relationships and, um, talking about what a player can become and, uh, what kind of impact that, you know, is going to lead to, you know, later on. And, um, you know, it, it certainly wasn't always perfect at, at Carolina, but, um, I, I cherish, uh, memories I had with, uh, with those guys and, um, they're, they're, uh, tremendous people and certainly, uh, lit the college across world on fire, um, you know, uh, in, in short order. Um, and, and I think that when you're recruiting, having an idea in your head of what you're looking for at each particular position, um, speed, skill, IQ, all those sorts of things, and kind of being able to pull that together, um, is really important. And I was able to carry that. I think a lot of what I learned from coach Bresci and in, in that Carolina experience up to Penn, um, and just continuing to hopefully grow as a, as a recruiter and um, a, a program builder. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned program builder. We talked about it earlier, DMGB. Um, doesn't matter, get better. Is that kind of the mantra of your program? And then I was just blown away by some of the extracurricular things your guys do. And it really seems like, you know, that's as much of your program is – um, is giving them those opportunities off the field as it is playing lacrosse and, and the on the field. So just tell us more about DMGB and really the Lafayette program. No, it's, I appreciate it, Coach Coop. I, I think that DMGB permeates everything we do culturally. It does mean doesn't matter, get better. And, and really what it is is it, bringing it back to the compete piece. Um, it's, it's, it's understanding what it means to compete in our program. And when you think about DMGB and what does that really mean, yes, it means compete. Um, but it means um, that we have uh, this, this idea of um, a neutral mindset where uh, we are um, realistic about the obstacles that are in front of us, but optimistic at all times. So it's the combination of realism and optimism. So it's not reckless optimism, constantly just like, yeah, it's, it's going to work out. It's understanding, okay, these are obstacles. How do we turn this into opportunity? Um, so in short, it's a next play mentality. You know, um, it, it really is. It's, it's not disregarding what just happened. It's processing it and being able to move on 
and knowing that there's something better coming and you're in control of that. And uh, that's what the DMGB mindset is. It's no excuses. It's, you know, it's, it's, we're not going to complain about, okay, we don't have this or we don't have that. Um, it's DMGB and it's a, it, it fits into a lot of different categories and you can use that as your response to a lot of different things um, when you're thinking about um, how to respond to certain situations. And I think as far as the extracurricular stuff for our team, you know, coming back to what kind of legacy do we want to leave? What our team's purpose is? It's about being change makers. It's about being difference makers. It's about developing leaders that are going to go out and affect the world. Um, and I know that sounds like, you know, pie in the sky or that's like coach speak, but no, our guys are doing that. Um, they won a Landis Center Citizenship Award here um, for, for, their, for their community service work that they've done. And I couldn't be proud of the lead role that they've taken there, um, you know, with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion training, um, you know, as I said, with, with the community service piece and being able to just, you know, take a lead role on this campus and set the standard for what it looks like to be a leopard, what we say, look, what it looks like to wear a red shirt. Um, and, and, and we give out red shirt man of the week awards and our guys know exactly what that means. It's not about how many goals you score, how many assists you score. It's, are you serving? Are you putting in the unseen hours? Are you a compelled teammate? And do you have a DMGB mindset? And those things, once defined, become so clearly apparent to your teammates that it's like, that, that's what a red shirt looks like. Um, and so that's what we're after. That's what we're chasing, a locker room of red shirts. Love it. In wrapping up our section here, one last question, Coach. You know, so much of what we've talked about this evening, especially in terms of culture and your answer right there, came to full fruition with our Team USA experience. And you kind of left that out of your amazing resume. So what was it like to wear the red, white, and blue and to take all these amazing young men from throughout the country who were coached by amazing coaches at fabulous universities and bring us all together in a, in a culture under the flag and then stand there where they played the national anthem? What did that whole experience mean, mean for you? Whew, it's hard to put into words. It really is. I mean, just having you know, the opportunity to be on the staff was probably the most humbling honor um, of, of my career. Um, and, and working with guys like yourself, I mean, I, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that Coach Leahy won the uh, Spirit uh, of Lacrosse Award at the World Games, which, you know, whether you want to call it the Unsung Hero, I'll just call it a Servant Leadership Award. Um, and literally Servant Leadership, one of the ways we define that in our program is carrying water. And, and you know, Coach Leahy taught me a lot about uh, what that looks like, um, you know, and, and one of the, the best coaches of all time um, to be on our staff and, and watching the way he uh, handled himself was, uh, was super humbling for me. And so that was all part of that we over me experience that when you're around the stars and stripes, it, there, there's a mission. Um, this is the blueprint. And uh, I think the way that, that Coach Myers led us in terms of intentionally picking the right young men to align with that blueprint um, and the staff to align with that blueprint and all coming together for one mission, um, it was life-changing. And I think when you were down eight, two at half and the players walked over into the corner in the gold medal game being down eight, two, Coach Leahy, I know you remember, and we kind of came together as a staff and it was like, what do we say to the guys? And it was like, nothing, they've got this. And you, you could, you know, you talk to the guys and it was like, stick to the blueprint, you know, do not waver. And because that love within that room, that we over me mindset 
um, and the, you know, the alignment for that mission um, and not, nobody wavered. And uh, that was one of the, that was a life-changing experience for me to just kind of see how that all unfolded and watch the leadership of those young men um, uh, and go back out there in the second half and fight back and, and win a 15-14 a gold medal game under really tough circumstances in enemy territory. Uh, it's just something that you, you don't ever forget. Um, and uh, you can almost remember what the, what the temperature was that day, what the water tasted like, you know, the whole nine, you know, hugging you after the game and um, just how that felt. And we all felt it because we knew it wasn't easy. And we knew the sacrifice that was made by everybody in that room to get to that point. And, uh, and that, as Coach Starja uh, said to our team uh, my first year, the heart is what makes it special. Thanks for the kind words, Coach. I told you not to go there. And don't forget my Starbucks runs in the mornings. I was pretty good at that one, too. <laughs> Coach Dyer. Coach Dyer and yourself. I mean, uh, yeah, we would have been, been in would have been in trouble without that. Although Coach Dyer, he wasn't a, wasn't he anti Starbucks? He was a Tim Hortons guy, right? Oh yeah, Timmy Hortons, Timmy Hose, right, right across the street. Well, it was a great interviewing you, Coach. So many outstanding insights, and um, yeah, we're just really grateful. Our last segment of the show is one of my favorites, which is called the Rapid Fire Next Homework. Let's go! I'm going to give Coach Myers here kind of a small template for him to give our players, our parents, our coaches some homework. So you ready to roll, Coach? Absolutely. Let's do it. Here we go. Homework for a player who's listening. Practice gratitude and get on the wall. Hit the wall every single day. There's seven days in the week. Be on the wall seven days a week. Great. Homework for a parent who's listening. Allow a lot of space for failure. Bite your tongue and define in your own mind what success looks like. Make sure you, you are able to have that conversation. And for a youth or high school or a club coach who's listening, their homework? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with, uh, def have a definition of what success means to you. Uh, and, and it should not be tied to uh, wins and losses uh, in terms of player development and uh, relationship building. What are you reading these days or listening to? Got a couple things. Um, I, I think uh, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown um, is an incredible book. Um, we talked about courage and vulnerability um, earlier in the show, and, and I've learned a lot through that one. Um, also, uh, the uh, book called Call Sign Chaos uh, by um, James Mattis, who's our former uh, Secretary of Defense and, and four-star general, um, is a, a great book on leadership that I think that everybody um, who's looking to, to um, you know, learn more about how to become a better leader is something that they should uh, think about diving into. Um, so both of those. And then I would also say Compete to Create um, is another one, uh, which is uh, Michael Gervais and Pete Carroll, um, and uh, a lot about how to build culture building, um, how to build a program and organization, um, and just generally uh, leadership. So um, all of those are uh, are great books. And then the, the last one I would say that our leadership council and, and it kind of helped shape my theory on developing leadership within your program is the captain's class, um, which is a book that our, our council has read um, uh, and it has made a major impact on our, on our program. Great stuff, coach. It's been an honor to have you. You're a dear friend. It's good to see you again. I wish you and your family and the leopards of Lafayette the best going forward in 2020. And um, I hope we can catch up with each other soon. Coach Coop. 
Yeah, thanks, Pat. Uh, we really appreciate your time before, during, and after on the episode here. Uh, might have to get you back soon to fill out the rest of this notepad um, and ask you a couple more follow-up questions. But, man, a terrific episode. Um, and I think, you know, the one thing that resonates the most with me is, you know, let's figure out how you define success um, and figure out your why. So on the podcast, the one way we define success is, is getting more listeners, getting more people talking about it. Um, and getting reviews and things like that. So if you've enjoyed listening to this with Coach Myers, um, Coach Leahy, and myself, uh, please leave us a review. You know, Tell a friend, um, share it on social media. Anything like that helps. Uh, Pat, any final words for our audience? Yeah, just have the uh, utmost respect for what you guys do at Next. And uh, you know, the job you're doing with this podcast is phenomenal. Um, and, uh, you know, there's not a better, better organization out there and, and coach Leahy and, and coach Coop, I'm the, the pleasure has been all mine, uh, incredibly, uh, grateful to share this time with you guys. So I uh, really appreciate you having me on the show and, uh, thank you guys. Thank you. Very humbling for both of us to talk to you and wish you continued good luck. Uh, we're going to sign off from Concha Hawken for our producer, Justin, coach Leahy, myself and coach Myers. Thank you. Coach, you rock. <laughs> <laughs>